Welcome to the Healthy Jacks Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you find the best ways to stay healthy and keep moving in Jacksonville. My name is Dr. Peter Yu, and I am a performance physical therapist here in Jacksonville and the host of this podcast. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with the right health and fitness information that is not only practical, but evidence-based as well. I also have the pleasure of highlighting some of the top health and fitness professionals around here so that you can stay up to date on the latest information. My goal as a performance physical therapist is to help educate and empower athletes and active adults to take control of their own health so that they can get out of pain, optimize their performance, and build true longevity for life. You can find us on Instagram at The Healthy Jacks Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. The Healthy Jacks Podcast is sponsored by MotionRx Health and Performance. At MotionRx, we specialize in helping athletes and active adults overcome injuries and get back to their sports and activities they love pain-free. Head to MotionRxHealth.com to find out how we can help you move better, feel better, and live an active, fulfilling life. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Jacks Podcast. This is your host, as always, Dr. Peter. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Dr. Christina Migliara. Um, she is a mental health counselor from TheraFit, and she is also the owner of CrossFit Tailwinds right here in Jacksonville. Um, they're located in one center, the Elite Wellness Center, where they basically focus on um, treating everybody from a holistic um, perspective from not only a mental standpoint, but also from a physical standpoint as well. So I'm super excited to talk about all things uh, mental health today. Christina, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm super <coughs> excited to chat about um, all these topics that we've got planned um, for today. So why don't we uh, kick this episode off a little bit just by, you know, telling our listeners a little bit um, about your background, you know, how you decided to get into mental health in the first place and, you know, maybe your introduction to CrossFit as well, too. I always like asking people how they got introduced to CrossFit as well. <laughs> um, great. Yeah, um, absolutely. So to touch on the first part, uh, mental health, how I got introduced to mental health um, was really through my own story. Um, back when I was about 16 years old, um, I met a woman who was a mental health professional, and she sort of became a mentor to me. Um, worked at our school as a teacher and also did some mental health counseling on the side and she sort of took me under her wing and showed me how uh, to gain a voice because that's something that I was very unfamiliar to me um, coming up in a traditional Italian household and being a woman um, you typically don't have as strong of a voice as your male counterparts so mm -hmm. that was very foreign to me and um, being a lost teenager and trying to figure out my way and where I was going and how to navigate that forever changing world coming from a traditional background where education was not the primary focus per se, um, but it was more about just living a healthy and happy life, which is fine, but I wanted something more. And so for me, wanting to break that generational cycle and push myself to go a little bit further with my education but not having anyone to really be able to model off of because no one had done that um, in my family. Right. She really empowered me to um, be able to do that and have the confidence to be the first one and to lead the way and sort of pave the way for others. Um, 
So that was really cool and really inspiring and exciting. And did you uh, know immediately when you were 16, like, hey, this is super cool. What this 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 uh, this uh, mentor is doing? Like, I want to be just like her when when I grow up. So yes and no. Like, I really enjoyed the feeling of being empowered and what that did for me, but actually did not want to be a uh, mental health professional at the time. Would you Would you (laughs) want to be at the time? I wanted to always be a midwife. Really? Uh, really, that was my first choice. I had a book. So motherly. Uh, right? Um, I wanted to be a midwife. I was doing all the classes. At 16. At 16. At 16. Mind you. At 16, I was like, Amazing. I'm going to grow up and be a midwife. I was doing this like health track in high school yeah. and everything. I applied for a nursing track in college, and that's what I was going to do until I got to college and quickly learned <laughs> That I could not handle fluids and like bodily fluids <laughs> yeah. and needles and things. And then I was like, oh boy, this is not going to work. And I actually panicked. I called her and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And somehow we kind of talked through it and came to the realization that at the core it was me wanting to help people and having that desire to really help others. Mm-hmm. Um, and that my pathway just wasn't doing it through being a midwife. Yeah. It was more about doing it through being a mental health professional, and that sort of started that pathway to psychology and so on. That's awesome. Well, so under under psychology, you have so many also different um, like sub pathways as well too. So it's like, was there was there like a particular moment you're like, hey, okay, I know I want to be like a mental health uh, counselor. Um, so I just knew I wanted to be in the counseling field. Yeah. I knew I didn't want to do research. I'm not, I'm not yeah, a big right. math person, and I hated doing statistics. Um, but I, um, I, I did really enjoy the clinical side yeah. of psychology. And in fact, the beginning, I really liked the mental health disordered st- um, part of you know, the counseling. And so mm-hmm. I really thought I'm going to go do a lot more in – um, like the inpatient settings yeah. and work with people who kind of in the hospital or yeah, uh, like, acute settings, you know, schizophrenics and mm-hmm. you know, uh, multiple personalities was, I was obsessed I with was those. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. And it was so fascinating to see, you know, that kind of mind. So that was what I did in the beginning. In fact, my first internship was at like a maximum security forensic hospital. Wow. You want to talk about like diving <laughs> into mental health. Hey, well, if you can survive that on your first clinical, like I feel like you can take on anything, right? <laughs> That's exactly how I felt, yeah. and um, and that really kind of drived uh, that, you know, just that pathway. But things changed over time as you learn more, yeah. um, and things kind of evolved, and my knowledge evolved. I sort of steered more towards the um, systems thinking and approach. I really enjoyed the marriage and family side of uh, working, you know, with people, and just understanding the just the life cycle and the different developmental stages that individuals and couples and families go through and seeing people as a system, mm-hmm. um, and that was really intriguing. So it was, wasn't to my master's that I really started to, like, this is going to be my niche. Yeah. Um, or at least one of them. Because, like, as you mentioned, there's so many different specializations within the mental health field. Um, but even there, you know, marriage and family is very broad. For sure. And there's even more specializing that you can do. And you start to see different dynamics come up within – the couples and the families that you're working with and you're like wow i need to like learn more yeah. you know things like substance use or trauma um and those are the two primary themes that i started seeing so that's where i sort of went with my specialty and really enjoyed um 
you know, gaining further education. So I got my certifications in um, trauma and in substance. Mm -hmm. Would you say those two are kind of like the most um, common um, issues that you uh, see today in your practice at TheraFit? I, I do. Um, we, you know, there's a lot of uh, coping um, that goes along with trauma that is maladaptive coping. And typically one of the quickest go-tos is going to be, you know, some form of substance, whether it be alcohol or drugs. Um, and so that those two typically go hand in hand. They're not uncommon. And therefore, um, it made most sense for me to just have a good understanding of that. Mm -hmm. And then when you are dealing with people who come from that addiction background, um, you know, a lot of that comes from trauma, yeah. you know, so it's, it's the chicken or the egg concept there. But at the end of the day, they, there is a, an overlap and you just, you have to have an understanding if you're really going to be able to understand where people are coming from and help them to move forward. Mm -hmm. For sure. Do you feel like, um, people, at least in today's day and age are kind of actively seeking out, um, these things, or is it kind of like they know they've had these issues for so long and like it's finally years and years of like them dealing with this that they're finally deciding that someone actually finally was like hey you need to go see someone about this yeah um so yes and yes um i think that there are people who are because we are um getting better about talking about yeah, mental health I feel like it really wasn't until these like last five years or so that like people actually started like talking about this at least on like social media and stuff like before i, I know like growing up like we didn't really learn anything about like mental health or anything like that it was kind of just like all right you kind of just like don't really talk about it and you kind of put it away but now it's like no like this is something that definitely needs to be addressed for sure and in in a lot of cultures um you know it's not talked about you know like my culture it's you if you have problems like that's between you and your family right um you don't talk about it and that that's very common for many people um, and so now with media and social media um, promoting it a lot more and there's more access to it and there's a lot of organizations that are out there promoting it, um, it is getting less and less stigmatized and it's actually being seen more as a part of health, which it is. Yeah, 100%. Um, so we've got that physical and that mental health and they just go hand in hand. And so it's really a great time to be a mental health professional is something we've been advocating for years. And so to see the evolution of that makes me super proud to be in this field. Um, I think that we are doing better about that. I definitely don't, I definitely think we have some work to do with um, recognizing our mental health professionals. They do a lot of hard work and they don't get the recognition that they deserve. They are serious. Like you want to talk about heroes. Those are some serious heroes right there. Um, they make a world of a difference in people's lives every day, and it's pretty incredible the type of ch you know change that they are making. For sure. Um, so they, I think, are still an undervalued and underappreciated um, professional. But we do have some work still to do. Um, I do think that we've got to get better at you know just promoting it in the workplace making it a benefit that we offer amongst mm -hmm. our health benefits you know being able to support that a little bit more and again we've come a long way so i don't want to discredit you know and discount that progress um there's lots of these eap styled if you will programs out there one what does uh, eap stand for um employee assistance program okay. Got it. um and the one that I work a lot with is called Lyra, um, and they have teamed up with a lot of these big name companies where the companies will give this to their employees for free, 
and they give them a certain amount of sessions and all you do is you go into the Lira's provider uh, program to find someone in your area. You get connected with a licensed mental health professional and you can do either telehealth or in person and get those sessions for free Yeah. Um, and awesome. take care of your mental health. So that's just something that has not been around for long and it's just really, really cool to see that you know, employers are doing that and thinking about that and kind of expanding their um, their benefits to try to take care of their people. Because if you want them to produce, if you want them to do their job, you've got to take care of them. And Absolutely. if you're not mentally well, the progression of that is just going to be that physical and then so on yeah, and so forth. Slow trickle down effect. Yeah. For sure. What's like, um, what's like one of the coolest, um, you know, patient stories that you've encountered over these, what, last uh, 10, 12 years you've been a... Uh, health counselor? Um, so I've been doing this for um, licensed uh, about 15 years, yeah, 15 over years. years now. I've been in the field for over 20 now. Um, and that's hard to pinpoint, but my... F- Don't make us cry here. I, I yeah. know, Let's but gosh, um, I would say I've had some pretty tough trauma cases. So my favorite is taking what would be seen as the underdog. Um People who have been told a narrative, you know, by someone that they're just never going to amount to something or they're never going to do something or the capabilities aren't there for some reason, whatever, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. And I'm sure you've heard this in your profession, too. Um, And then just to be able to, like, work with them and help them shift that mindset to realizing that they are capable of so much more than they ever thought and then seeing them do it. And watching them cry like tears of joy and relief and being able just to take that heavy load and put it down finally and walk with their head held high and chest so proud and they're just standing tall um, and then living the life they've always wanted to live and chasing after that dream. Those are my favorite. They're my absolute favorite. And so I love a challenge. I like to think of the people who nobody's willing to bet on and bet on that person and say, well, we're going to do this. This is going to be the time that that changes. I love that. Um, how long do you feel like you know these journeys and transformations typically take? Obviously, uh, it's going to vary like case by case um, scenario, but it is. And you know, you made a, a statement earlier about you know um, people coming in because uh, someone told them to come in, yeah. or carrying things along with them for a long period of time, and finally you know realizing that they need to do something. And yeah, so. For a number of reasons, we get those cases where people will come in and they will be like, yeah, you know, I thought that I was healed from that previous trauma. It happened when I was 10 and I'm 40 and there's no way that could possibly be affecting my current life and um, things of that nature. And so they are compartmentalizing and they're holding on to things or, you know, they're just trying to put it away in that box and never thinking about it again and just assuming that you know, because maybe they've had a period of time of success that they've been over it and it'll never come back up, only to realize that somehow they're triggered and it pops back up and next thing you know, they're following, finding themselves being, you know, completely regressing in, um, in life and struggling. And so what we, what we know about trauma is that the only way around it is through it and you have to heal. And so if you don't do the right proper steps with the right professional who is trauma-informed and trained, then there's a good chance that you are going to miss something and it can pop up later in life. And so we will get people that come in that, that are thinking they are, um, are through something and they're, they're not. 
Um, and so being able to take them through that and really help them to resolve that is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, and again, they, they feel like, oh, that was so long ago. There's no way I'm going to get past this, you know. It just takes the right fit, the mm -hmm. right therapist. And, and I'm not the right therapist for everyone. I tell my clients this, like, hey, I may not be the right fit for you, right. but I am the right fit for some people. And so, you know, just like that shopping around concept, you've got to figure out who you best connect with, as no matter what provider you're looking for. Um, and when you make that connection and you find that right fit, I promise you, you could uh, conquer anything. I mean, it's just that connection's there. You're open. You're willing to work, you trust the person you're talking to, um, and then you become all in. And once that rapport is built, once that trust is there, you know, you're ready to kind of dive in and do what you've got to do, even with the most toughest things that you can think of yeah. talking about. Do you feel like it takes at least a couple of you know, like sessions for you before you are able to actually kind of build that rapport and people actually are able to or willing to actually open up and talk about some of these um, pretty traumatizing things? In most cases, yeah. So yeah. I've got people and, and trauma is a very physiological um, response. So that's where that mind body um, <clears throat> kind of connection comes in and that there's a lot of dysregulation. So I've had people literally just change right in front of me the moment you start to bring that up. So sometimes it's, you know, toes in the water. We're just going to toes in today, and then the next time we'll maybe go up to the ankles and then maybe the calves and so on. Um, and they really need those baby steps because they are on the brink of, like, literally about to throw up, yeah. you know, in my office at the thought of having to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, it's been – some serious stuff that people go through that no one should ever have to go through. And these, these poor people have endured this. Um, and then there are some people every now and again that come in and once they feel like they've connected with you, which sometimes could be pretty quickly, depending on the provider, they just say it all right yeah. then and there. And you're just like, all right, <laughs> so we're going there. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> um, so it's interesting, but the most people I think really do need a few sessions to, to know, you know whether or not break down this wall that they've probably built up for like oh yeah ages you know oh yeah absolutely so what are you know what are some of your um you know treatment tactics or philosophies you know when it kind of comes to um addressing some of these uh mental health issues so that's kind of where things have evolved for for me um as mm -hmm. having worked in trauma for a little bit now um sitting in a room across from someone who's in a chair and you're in a chair and looking at them and it's already difficult as it is to talk about this and you're having to make eye contact and they're super anxious and they're you know like i said physiologically transforming in front of you with redness and blotchiness and shaking and sweating it's uncomfortable right and that super hyper focus of okay are you ready to tell me now and just unload is a lot so uh, there's a lot of research that supports movement being therapeutic and um, creating that. Preaching to the choir. Yeah, yeah. So, the choir. so that somatic experience of, of just being able to talk and move actually helps to create that rehardwiring that we're looking for uh, when it comes to trauma healing. And um, there's a lot of dysregulation that happens with our emotions and our bodies through trauma. So... Um, I actually created a program that's called Intensive Mental Fit Program. Um, and so we, we believe that people, you know, need to live free, live well, live mental fit, right? Creating that mental fitness so that they can thrive in life um, and have that mental freedom to 
be whoever they are destined to be. Um, and this program incorporates a lot of movement. So we use walk and talk therapy mm-hmm. in addition to functional fitness. And um, it's very specific. And we utilize the different breakdowns throughout the program to um, put people in a situation where it becomes easier to talk. So we're going to just walk together. We're going to get some fresh air, which we know nature is very therapeutic. Being able to be outside um, is really helpful in calming the body and the brain and reducing that anxiety. So now we are, instead of across from each other, we are side by side, which changes the position of power as well, which is a big thing for people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now we're walking together. We're doing this journey together. You know that we are um, focused on the same goal and I'm on your side, I'm on on your team and you don't have to stare at me as you're telling me these difficult things. Mm -hmm. And just having that, you know, external stimulation of being outside and feeling a little bit more free, not as claustrophobic of being in an office um, and as restricted and not so focused on what you're saying because you're moving it just relaxes the body and the brain enough to make it easier for you to talk about some of these things. And so that has been a new way that we've just started to do a little bit more of that because we just find better results with it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, some of the specifics of trauma that go into, um, you know, emotional regulation again and breathing. And we know that in, you know, trauma work that there's a lot of um, research that supports being able to kind of reassociate the body because of such disassociation that occurs. There are things that we can do with what we call focused therapies, and they've had success with things like martial arts and yoga and some of these other movement-focused, styled, um, you know, physical uh, therapies that have helped people to move through trauma and help to reconnect, you know, the, the body awareness that we're looking for. And so I, being in uh, CrossFit and also really understanding movement patterns and functionality and then also having the mental health background said to myself, well, what if we could do this with functional fitness? You know, we are doing focused work. You know, you've got a time domain, you've got a movement pattern, set of movement patterns, and you've got a goal. Mm -hmm. And you certainly have to breathe through it and you certainly have to focus on what you're doing. And I think we could accomplish the same thing by putting those things together. I love that. So we will take our clients out, you know, one-on-one into the gym and uh, put them through a certain, you know, rep scheme and a workout and teach them. Fran? Yeah, right? Well, throwing them right into Fran. Um, And teach them and break it down for body awareness and explain, you know, the similarities between the flight, flight or freeze response and what happens when your heart rate increases, you know, in a trauma response or, you know, being in a panic state as opposed to similarities that you'll see when you're in, you know, that adrenaline rush under um, tension in time in a workout Mm -hmm. and how they're not that different, but not seeing it as a threat, right? Um, Because people who have that feeling see as a threat and we want to get them out of that threat response. That amygdala is firing and it's sending false, you know, um, false messages thinking that we're under attack and we're not. And you got to get out of going through life thinking that it's always about like someone's coming to get you or something's being relived because there's no way that you can sustain that without physical and mental ramifications for it. Yeah, I would say I would be under super high stress all the time. I'd be constantly looking over my shoulder. And people live that way. Yeah. And it's so sad and it's awful. And it has a lot of 
consequences, unhealthy consequences, which is why it's not uncommon for those people to turn to substances because, you know, being able to use a substance is their only way of getting out of their head. Those intrusive thoughts, putting those to rest and not having to think about those things for an hour or for a day. The problem with that, as we know, is as soon as you come out of it and sober up, what's left? They're still there, right? Back so at stage one. Back, and that therein lies where the cycle happens and where the addiction kind of comes into play. And then it goes from physical, you know, psychological to physical and so on. Mm-hmm. And it's just the natural progression. And then people can't get out of it. So we want to teach people that there are other ways of healthy coping yeah. that can. Through movement and exercise. Through I love movement that. and exercise. I love yeah. that. So under, you know, you mentioned this uh, the six-week intensive program where, again, they're kind of mixing in both um, kind of like the mental therapy as well as along with, um, you know, some of this functional fitness and CrossFit together in the six-week program. So um, does everybody um, that comes to you go through this program or is this kind of something that's separate from like the one-on-one counseling that you do as well too? Or, you know, is one person a little bit more suitable for this program versus kind of the other one? Yeah, so, I mean... It's, it's a great program for just about anyone, but not everybody needs it to be as intensive. Sometimes, you know, um, th- that program's gonna be people who are at that point of like stuckness, right? Yeah. Someone who's been compartmentalizing and just hitting a plateau, um, they're getting into that mental stuck phase. They can't seem to get, you know, through to the next level. Um, so typically people with history of like addiction, trauma, um, we do have an assessment phase, so we will, you know, assess them and make sure that it's the appropriate fit for them. It's not necessarily for everyone, even though we know that movement is therapeutic, they may not need it as intensive and as, um, regulated as the program. So sometimes it might just be more of an individual styled therapy, um, or more of a performance coaching style, um, along with a prescription of, Hey, I want you to work on creating some healthy habits and some new mental health hygiene. And here's what we're going to do. I have a workbook that I usually give my clients and this is what it looks like and Mm -hmm. give them a couple of different areas. It's just start to incorporate little bit by little bit um, and recommend that they, you know, either exercise, whether it's be at our gym or a gym, it doesn't really matter to me. As long as you're moving, that's all that I care about. Honestly, something's better than nothing. And intensity is relative, right? If you haven't done anything, just getting off the couch and going for a walk around the block is going to be pretty intensive for you. So it's got to be something that, you know, they gradually ease themselves into um, and then kind of going from there and progressing from there. Gotcha. I love that. That's awesome. Um, What do you feel like, um, you know, with people coming to you, do you feel like they need to have issues or are people just able to kind of come to you um, that may not have like traumatic passes, um, but, you know, are they able to just kind of talk talk about their feelings yeah no this is not just about like oh my gosh you have to have this yeah, terrible can, pe- can people be proactive about this stuff 100 i wish we could get into that prevention mindset and yeah. stop getting into this crisis mindset that's just such an old archaic medical model of like we only do something when we're intervening and waiting for crisis to happen i you know it, it, wellness is really what we're into so wellness is about prevention it's about the day-to-day self-care things that you do to stay well in order to get out in front of it so you're either paying for your wellness now or you're paying way more for your sickness later Mm -hmm. um and and then you get you get into that crisis mode you're like but i can't take time off of work and i can't afford to go away and you know 
honestly, the brain and body don't doesn't really care when it's having its breakdown. And now all of a sudden you have to go inpatient because you just let it build and build and build. And you're just having a complete and utter breakdown. And, you, you know, you've hit your threshold. We all have one. We're not infallible. We're human. And if we don't pay attention, the body gives us signals all the time. You know, it'll start to tell us things. Hey, you need more sleep. You're fatigued. Hey, that joint is achy. Got to stretch. Um, you know, whatever the case may be. And we may not be looking for it. So we're just like, ah, that's not too bad. I'll ignore it. And that's that interventionist thinking. I'll ignore, I'll ignore, ignore until it's a big deal. Yeah, until you've been ignoring it for like a year and a half. Guess what? It's going to tell you one way or another. Oh, yeah. And then it's going to tell you in a big way, which typically comes with a big price tag for it. Whereas preventing it by getting ahead of it, by talking about, maybe just it's about coming in and goal setting. Hey, I've got this great goal, but I'm not quite sure how to get there. And I could use like some performance coaching and talking about mindset and confidence building um, on like a smaller scale. Great. Maybe you don't need as much therapy. Maybe it's a couple of sessions and then you're off and running. You know, the, the notion that therapy needs to be on a couch, lying down, you know, long term for a year is so old and Freudian. Mm -hmm. We are just, that's not what we do. In fact, we want, my goal is to get you off the couch. Like, let's get you moving. I want you less in my office. I want you more out and about doing great things in the world. And then, by the way, when you do those great things, don't forget to like text me, email me, and let me know what you're doing because I love hearing all the success. Yeah. And I've had people do that. And it's my fate. I, I just absolutely love it. It's so cool. <laughs> Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about this uh, performance coaching thing, right? So, um, you know, you have somebody that comes in and they have this, you know, certain amount of goal that they want to be able to um, achieve. Um, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, it's this CrossFit competition, right? So how do you kind of go about, like, you know, preparing this, this one individual to be, you know, as confident as possible that they're going to crush this competition from like a mental aspect? Um, so there's a lot of mental skills that go into athletics and uh, honestly like your performance is only going to go so far and if the mind isn't right then you're going to plateau and you're never going to get any further. Yeah. Um, the, a lot of what I hear um, commonly spoken about is things like mental strength and mindset but it's so much more than that. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to dive into some of the backstory. We've got to make sure there's nothing unresolved there that's creeping in either directly or indirectly, because it's all about what we say to ourselves. And if you believe it, you will see it. If you, if you question, there's a good chance that it's not going to happen. So we've got to look at the mindset. We've got to look at the self-talk. What are we saying to ourselves in these moments? What are we saying to ourselves when we're throughout our day? What's the conversation? Um, I have a lot of conversation with myself all the time yeah if i don't talk to myself and talk myself through things there's a good chance that i will not do them because we have a tendency to want to start with i can't do that or that sounds scary or no way like this apprehension is usually the first thought we're mm -hmm. conditioned to do that right the path of least resistance is something that as humans we are used to doing so it actually takes more effort for us to go wait a minute Yes, I can. Here's why I can. I've done this, this, and this. That's prepared me for this. Okay, I can do this. I'm ready for this. This is how we're going to get through this. I've been coached. I've been working hard. I deserve this. I want this, you know, and so on. And then next thing you know, we're shifting and creating a different dialogue, and we're going from apprehension to confident. Mm -hmm. um, and so it also becomes being able to make sure that person is balancing 
their confidence with their ego and not confusing the two. <laughs> That's so funny that you mentioned that. I think it was, it was some, on some other uh, podcast that I heard the other day, but they were talking about how like a lot of times professional athletes, right, they come off as like almost seemingly like cocky and like having this huge ego, but they're saying that like, these athletes are just so confident in their abilities and themselves that they have such a strong, you know, mindset and that they truly believe that when they walk onto the court or onto the field, that they are the number one best, you know, individual best player out there and stuff. Yeah. And they're, and they know that they're willing to do whatever it takes to be the best. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. So how do you like balance it? Like, cause I feel like it's such a fine line between, you know, having enough confidence that's you know that's truly there versus again like maybe like maybe overestimating and having that turn maybe a little bit into like uh, ego or like overly cocky well here's the deal like Like what's what's the difference right let's say you you overestimated and you were just you claim you're so confident but then the results show otherwise that's a big check right so i think the difference becomes at that moment if you are beaten do you consider what went wrong and think okay this time it didn't go the way i thought it was going to go i was pretty confident it was going to go well but here after assessing here's what went wrong and here's what could be done differently and here's where the opportunities are for the next time and if those things were in place there's a good chance that i will be better than i was this time yeah or do you go well you know what like if i had gotten more sleep i would have i would have beaten him yeah. or you know he he got lucky like do you do you rationalize had I worn and make excuses my other pair of shoes yeah <laughs> it's always you know? the shoes are we excusing or yeah. are we accepting, accepting and yeah, looking and for growth on. gotcha confident people are always open to everything and attached to nothing they're willing to grow they're willing to yeah. surround themselves by the best they're willing to listen they are around like-minded people and they've got mentors and coaches and professionals that they talk to on the daily, keeping their mind and physical right. They've got like, you know, their personal trainers, their mm-hmm. massage therapists, their PTs, whoever and whatever they need to do in order to be the best, they're doing it. That's how you can go in confidently knowing that you've prepared yourself. Yeah. Um, and they are willing to do the self-care to keep themselves balanced so that they are ready, right? You know, it's that daily hygiene all the things that you do the nutrition the mental health the recovery um you know the socialization making yourself sure you're surrounded by positivity and good people nothing like trying to be the best and with a bunch of naysayers in your back corner i mean that's not going to get you anywhere like it's all those things and you know a confident person is going to make good decisions and do that Mm -hmm. Um, an ego-driven person is gonna be like i don't need you i got this and do it their way in spite of direction or other people trying to give them guidance. They don't listen. They do it how they want to do it, and that's it. Yeah. No, I think it's super important to make sure you, you always try and learn and better yourself no matter you know what the outcome is, right? Like a lot of times I think, um, especially when it comes to like injuries and stuff and people come and see us, it's always seen as like a very negative um, event right which it is it sucks right to be i mean you know you're you're in here you're seeing us for, for this lat issue right um it sucks right because you can't perform at the level that you want to be right but i always tell people you know flare-ups and like injuries are like a pretty valuable thing you know because it gives us so much valuable information in terms of like helping us learn how to um a make sure this this thing doesn't occur again 
right? And then B, also learn how to kind of prevent this and move on going forward, right? So it's just taking important information and then adding that to your knowledge base. Now all of a sudden you have like this positive thing that you've gleaned out of this once negative experience. Yeah. And so what it does, what you just said, is what, what I would refer to as getting comfortable with uncomfortability, okay? So being in a position to know that part of the process are these challenges, are these moments that are uncomfortable and that really suck. And it's like nobody likes being injured. They love being at their optimal and their best. But with sport, there's always a risk, right? And the, the more intense the sport, the higher the risk of injury is going to be there. So you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, and, but, you know, it's so it's doing the things that you know you should do to try to minimize that risk, yep. but then not letting when it happens it to defeat you mm-hmm. um, and getting out of your head and just being like, well, you know, and then kind of spiraling through that self-defeat. Um, people who are confident and who have that, you know, winner mindset, they know how to get themselves out of that. Here's the thing, like we're, again, going back to that concept of like we're humans, we're not robots, we're going to go through these things. It's not about having moments. We all have them. And the best of the best have them. I have them. And I find myself to be an extremely confident human. Yeah. But how long do you stay there? Do you have it? Do you talk yourself through it? Do you reframe it and work through it and move on? Or do you let it defeat you and stay there for days and weeks and months? Yeah. Not going to happen. How, how long do you give yourself? I usually give myself about a day. I'm like... You're okay to mope around for a day, and then you're 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 switching this around. I think it depends yeah, on, on the, the, the severity yeah, of the situation, sure. but um, not long. I don't give myself long. Here's the thing: the thing is, like other people, they they may require like a week, right, or even like they might, might and even longer. But everyone's yeah. capacity is different. But that's the training, right? The capacity you've got to train your mental capacity. Um, and again, we're talking about like those um, those mental skills, and we always want to talk about mental strength. But we don't talk about things like capacity. We don't talk about like resiliency. We don't talk about mental, um, you know, reframing and self-talk. Mm-hmm. And those are all a part of that skill set that you need in order to be a high performer. And when you are in a greater position of leadership and power, you have even more responsibility to take care of yourself and really develop those skills, you know, as proficiently as possible because people are relying on you. I mean, you could be a poor leader. I mean, those those do exist, but I like to think about people rely on me and hold me at a high regard, and I don't want to let those people down. I don't think that that's fair. I feel like when I made the decision to do what I did, that I take it very seriously to do no harm in my code of ethics, and that spills over into my gym. It, it spills over into my life, and you just – integrity, right? Mm-hmm. Doing the best that you can and as honestly as you can. Um, and so I have a responsibility to take care of myself because if I'm not well, then I can't be in a position to be telling other people how they should be right. well. Um, and so doing your di- due diligence, like don't you can't be stuck for a week and then be like, hey, don't ever be stuck for a week, right? So yeah, practice, practice what, what you, you preach. preach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. That's awesome. Um, let's let's change topics a little bit and let's talk a little bit more about uh, CrossFit. Um, how did you even uh, – you, what was your first CrossFit experience like? What was your first CrossFit <laughs> workout? Oh, gosh. That. Yeah. Um, so my first experience was going in and checking out a gym. And yeah. it was how, – How long ago was this? This was like almost nine years now. Nine years, yeah. Um, and it was true to form CrossFit. You walk in and they're, they're flipping tires. What yeah. everyone <laughs> classic. says. Classic. What you thing. see on TV. And yeah. I'm like oh. – And I hate when people come in and think, what do you guys do? Just flip tires around here? And I'm like – 
you know, it's funny because that's what I saw when I first went yeah. in, but that's really not what we do. I can't even remember the last time I flipped a tire, right. to be honest with you. Do you guys even have tires in your gym? We do, but I can't. Uh, I can't, there you go. I can't even tell you the last time we used them, okay. honestly. It's, it's just, just for not, show. It's yeah, for show. It's for show. Um, so uh, people were flipping tires, and I and they were doing it on their own, and I could not flip the tire. I felt like such a weak sauce. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> And so somebody came up and helped me flip it, yeah. and it was just you know your classic community, everyone pulling for you, last person to finish, all the things that you know about CrossFit that is just like the things that you love, cheering you on, empowerment happening all around you, um, and just a complete confidence booster. I came off of my second child, nine months postpartum, so just not losing the weight as quickly as I did with the first one, being a little bit older in my 30s now. And just um, feeling very not confident and comfortable in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was my first experience. And it didn't take long for me to be like, this is exactly what I want and what I need. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, so I guess nine, ten years strong now with CrossFit. Yeah. Huh? And it went from that to being an affiliate owner and coaching and um, somehow managing to make that and incorporate that into my mental health, which sounds odd maybe to the common person but to me seeing all the mental health you know progressions and things that came out of that um was so normal and so like this is this is like why aren't more people doing this and Mm -hmm. how do you not see what i'm seeing right now this is just like common sense to me this is a no-brainer there's so many psychological benefits um why isn't everybody doing this? Why aren't more mental health professionals, you know, doing this, prescribing this? Forget medication. Like, go prescribe CrossFit. Yeah. You need to make friends. Go, go do, CrossFit. do CrossFit. There's a lot of things that CrossFit solves. It really does. It really does. So it was a natural progression for me to want to incorporate that into my own um, practice. I always dreamed of a wellness center. Mm-hmm. And when I was practicing in an office by myself, first of all, it was boring after a while. And second of all, um, I was just telling my clients to go, for, you know, do these things. Hey, you're in pain. Here's a PT. Hey, you know, you are needing exercise. Here's some CrossFit gyms in your area. Go check one out. You know, and just telling them where to go. But we know in, like, the healthcare industry, if you're not doing a warm handoff, the likelihood of someone following through mm-hmm. decreases dramatically. And so I wanted to, I wanted to know that, like, they were for sure going to follow through. It only sped up their progress with me. They didn't need me as longer when all these other elements were being put, in, put into place. So the treatment plan was progressing quicker, and the results were better when they were doing these things. And so how could I ensure that there was going to be follow-through and not have to chase people? <laughs> it's the worst. You have to chase people, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um. So it just it just made sense to me, yeah. and eventually uh, just started looking for a space that I could do that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, a truly holistic center. One hundred percent. That's awesome. What uh, what fitness uh, CrossFit um goals do you have? Personally. Yeah. No. Yeah. What for yourself? What like what are you trying to do with it? Are you just trying to, you know, um stay healthy you know are you trying to make the open are you trying to make the games like what's what are your own uh, personal goals um so in the beginning it was health you yeah. know um i have a competitive nature as um, we all do yeah. <laughs> some more so extent. than yeah. others 
Um, and so I was competitive when I was a, you know, a teenager in sports and things like that. Yeah. So it was fun for me to tap back into that. 100%. Um, it progressed from health to local competitions and things like that. And interestingly, as um, CrossFit has gone in you know, a unique um, direction with having you know, the um, qualifiers and the different age brackets and now having you know, the open qualifier semis, games, that's been fun in the last two years to be kind of seeing what I can do with my fitness within my level. Yeah. I certainly don't. What percentile, right? Yeah. It comes out of percentile. I certainly don't want to play with the youngins. I have no desire to do that. So for me to go and compete as an individual, it's just not there. But it is nice to be amongst um, my age group and being able to see yeah. what my fitness could look like and how far I can push myself. So I do have some desire to continue with that journey and seeing that I can go for the third year in open and then qualifier. So yep. I qualified the last two years, which has been great. So I'd like to push myself this year to see if I can make it to yeah, semis. Make it to the next level. And just kind of go from there and have fun, you know. Love that. Hey, goal setting, right? Goal setting. Write it down. Absolutely. Map out the steps and then tap into it one one by one. 100%. Love that. That's awesome. Well, Christina, I know I know you're super busy, so I thank you for taking the time to come on to this podcast. Um, before before we go, um, why don't we uh, end our podcast with this? What's uh, what's one thing that our listeners are um, able to implement right now um, immediately into their life to better their own mental health? So I guess um, with this in the spirit of movement, I'd probably say at, uh, give yourself at least. Um, 15 to 20 minutes a day if you're you know not used to moving minimally to break away from that monotony of being inside or in your office and working there's a lot of remote workers these days mm -hmm. and get outside and move go walk your dog go for you know a walk with your family um, go for a run around the block even if you can't make it to an actual gym although that's always the ultimate goal is to kind of build that stamina but if we're talking like Right now, what you can do, easiest, simplest thing, is incorporating in 15, 20 minutes you know, of movement into your day. And the great thing about getting outside and doing that, as opposed to just jumping on a treadmill, is you're also doing the benefit of getting some fresh air um, out in nature. Leave your phone at home, you know, your AirPods. Just be with you and yeah. outside and moving. Hopefully not in this 100 degree weather, no though. not in the middle of the day not in the middle of maybe the day. in the morning or at the, the end of the day the after you're done with work you know you can go outside at least in the summertime um, when it cools down a little bit more more option more options for you i love that awesome so move move 15 minutes minimum every day outside gotta be outside no airpods gotta be outside yeah, get away one, from the technology be one bump be one with nature yeah awesome so um christine where can uh people get in contact with you um, so you can find us on the typical social medias. We're on Instagram, um, Therafit uh, Works, um, CrossFit Tailwinds. Um, on TikTok? Instagram, TikTok. N no. <laughs> you gotta. I'm telling you, you gotta pull the trigger. Uh, we are not on quite there. on TikTok and not TikTok sensations just yet. Um, and then, of course, our websites. You can find us at therafitworks.com and CrossFitTailwinds.com as well. Located at the Elite Wellness Center and here in Jacksonville. Um, so come see us. Awesome. Be sure to check them out. Christina, thank you again for coming on this podcast, and we will see you guys next episode. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. You can find us on Instagram at the Healthy Jacks Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please leave us a review on iTunes and let us know if you have any topics or guests that you would like us to bring onto the show. Thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, stay healthy and keep moving, Jacksonville.